You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. It's another episode of Podcasters of S.H.I.E.L.D., Cinema Geekly's Marvel podcast. It's Anthony and Aurora back to talk Luke Cage, season mm-hmm. one. And uh, we are now, uh, we've got, what now, there's two shows, but three seasons of Marvel Netflix shows uh, that are by the wayside. We've got Luke Cage now, we're going to have Iron Fist in, what do they say, like March? Yeah, Something I think like so. That. Uh, they're doing the Defenders, and they've announced uh, a second season for Jessica Jones, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Did you mm-hmm. see the news about the directors lineup? For yes, Jessica all Jones? female, all women directors for yeah. season two of Jessica Jones. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. I wonder. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they probably didn't have to, to to search high and low to find enough female directors wanting uh, work. Oh, I mean, yeah. obviously, not yeah. enough of them get work. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Did you, do you know if they've released the names or, or did they just release that it's going to be all female directors? I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, cause if they do release the names, I'm curious to see, cause there's a few of them that I don't remember the names off the top of my head, but there's a few of them. I'm sure if I saw the names, I'd be like, yes, that's who I'm thinking of, mm-hmm. uh, that have done work with, uh, like, uh, Game of Thrones and Doctor Who and a few of them that I really admire. So I'm I'm hoping to maybe see their names pop up as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Roxanne Dawson, who was on Star Trek Voyager, is now a director all the time. She's been doing uh, House of Cards on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. So, oh my god, hey, that's an open door. Everybody mm-hmm. get Roxanne Dawson on board. Uh, But anyway, uh, we're talking Luke Cage, Season 1, Power Man, uh, as he's been referred to more than once in the first couple of episodes. Yep. Uh, The first time he was referred to as such. Uh, But this does take place in that Marvel Netflix continuity, and this is six months, five, six months after... I'm trying to figure out if this is five, five or six months after Jessica Jones, or if it's five or six months after... Season two of Daredevil, which I think it's after Jessica Jones. Okay, I think so. I'm just gonna go ahead and just live with in somewhere <laughs> somewhere in that area. It'll somewhere between a half a year and a year after Jessica right. Jones, depending on. There's no continuity timeline really. Uh, it just takes place sometimes afterwards. Uh, so that's where we kind of start things with episode one called Moment of Truth, mm-hmm. where we meet Luke, and he is living in Harlem now, which is not where he was prior. So he's moved right. to another borough of New York. 
and he is working at a barber shop. He's just doing cleanup duty, working under the table, mm-hmm. uh, as they say, for uh, Pop, Pop's Barber Shop. Uh, who is a? Uh, he used to be an ex-gangster, went to jail, turned his life around, mm-hmm. and uh, started a started a barber shop. You know, one thing I noticed about Harlem, at least this one particular street. Uh, I I now know where they modeled Sesame Street after. Because <laughs> they've had two establishing shots of Pop's Barbershop, and all I could think of was, like, Elmo or Oscar the Grouch was going to pop out of a garbage can. Uh, it's insane. That's clearly what, yeah, they, yeah. what they've done. Um, so he works there uh, by day, but by night he's also working as a dishwasher at Harlem's <laughs> Paradise. Uh, which is a nightclub owned by crime boss Cornell Stokes, a.k.a. Cottonmouth. Although, don't call him that, apparently. That's, by the way, the best name for a villain. Cottonmouth? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, there's a man who works at Harlem's Paradise, a bartender, Dante. Mm-hmm. And there are two men who were at uh, Pop's Barbershop. Shamik and Chico. Chico works there, and Shamik is just a, a kid who goes there to cut his hair. But they're all uh, friends, in so much as that they're planning on holding up an arms deal uh, mm-hmm. that is being held by Cottonmouth men. He is selling military-grade Justin Hammer Tech weapons mm-hmm. uh, to... Uh, drug lord or something. I don't remember who he's whom he's selling it to. Uh, but these three kids decide to go there and hold them up when one of the guys goes for a gun and Shamik shoots them and then a gun battle uh, ensues with the exception of Chico who cannot bring mm-hmm. himself to shoot any of these people. He instead throws up all over the place. Right. Uh, too innocent for this gang life. Aurora mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. young Chico but uh uh, I think it's Dante is the one who freaks out, who figures, you know, they're going right. to, uh, you know, the boss is always keeping an eye on him at work. He, he feels like they're going to be able to trace this back to him. And Shamik agrees. Mm-hmm. So he shoots Dante. Yeah. And Shamik is now telling Chico that, hey, I, I was going to do this all along. I wasn't going to share this three ways. We're going to be rich. And they decide to split the million dollars 50-50 and off they go. Uh, although Dante is not dead, he's just left for dead. And he manages to make a phone call to his boss mm-hmm. and rats out his friends. <sighs> anyway, uh, NYPD detectives, Raphael Scarf and Misty Knight, are tasked with the investigation. And uh, we meet Misty a little bit earlier in the night because Luke is... Uh, has to moonwalk, uh, not moon. I said I almost said moonwalk. Uh, moonlighting. <laughs> he moonwalked over to the bartending area. That would have been a completely different scene. Uh, he's moonlighting as uh, a bartender this evening because Dante called in sick. Right. And he meets Misty Knight, whom I believe tells him that she's like an accountant. Maybe she doesn't uh, tell uh, auditor. An auditor. That's right. Yeah. He doesn't. She doesn't tell him her real job. Right. She's keeping an eye on, on Cottonmouth. And uh, Luke is trying to get money to pay his rent, so he's relying on tips. And he is kind of making a pass at her, but sort of awkwardly. Then he sort of recovers it for himself a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
things haven't been right with him in relationships. Uh, yeah, obviously, with yeah. the death of his wife and his uh, troubled relationship with Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. He's not really looking for love at the moment. But uh, he and Misty Knight end up spending the night together uh, regardless. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is after that that we learn that she, in fact, works for the police. Right. Uh, we are also uh, introduced to Shades, who mm-hmm. is played by Theo Rossi. If people watched uh, Sons of Anarchy, he's mm-hmm. on that show. Uh, and he plays Shades, and he is working for Cottonmouth uh, Arms Supplier, Diamondback, Willis Stryker, mm-hmm. um, whom I'm told we do meet, but not not till like okay. midway through the season I think something along those lines uh, and uh, we are informed of the the deal gone south and uh, Cottonmouth is not pleased with any of this he manages to track down Shamik retrieves his share of the money and uh, beats him to death with his own bare hands yeah brutally <laughs> yeah uh, and then throws the throws the body out into the street somewhere. Uh, Scarf and Knight decide to question Luke, who had replaced Dante during his absence at the club, uh, although he didn't necessarily have that much information. Uh, but he's obviously starting to uh, suspect. Uh, he's starting to suspect some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say about all of this. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, there is also this character named Mariah Dillard, who is a councilwoman for Harlem, and she Mm -hmm. is Cottonmouth's cousin. Right. And she is launching this new Harlem Renaissance program, and Cottonmouth is assisting her by having goons go around and uh, harassing people, basically demanding contributions to this new Harlem Renaissance. And one of the people... Uh, or peoples that they decide to uh, to do this to are uh, Luke Cage's landlady mm-hmm. and her husband, who also own an awesomely named restaurant named Genghis Connie's, <laughs> which is awesome. Uh, but they're harassing her. It's like four guys, and Luke Cage comes in there, very kind at first, just right. asking them to leave. And uh, they refuse... And Luke basically says, look, I, I can't do to you what I'd want to do because that would kill you. And then they start laughing at him. And one dude goes to punch Luke Cage in the face and breaks his fist on his arm, like on like right on his face. Amazing. Another, another dude breaks a bat over his arm. <laughs> he throws dudes through windows. Yep. The last remaining guy is like, look, I didn't even like these guys anyway. <laughs> and ran away, ran for his life. Yep. And uh, his landlady offers to pay him money. And he's like, I owe you money for rent. And she's mm-hmm. like, I want to hire you. And he goes, I'm not for hire. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's the, uh, that's for, and, uh, and obviously that's kind of a tease as well, because Luke Cage and Iron Fist are known as heroes for hire mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the comics. So a, a little bit of a tease. I'm sure we'll get some more of that a little bit later on. Uh, but he is reluctant. The story of this first episode is that uh, he is reluctant to use his powers uh, yeah. For things, he just wants to disappear into the background. He doesn't want to raise attention to himself. He just wants to live a life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what did you make of the the premiere episode, Aurora? Um, I liked it. I think that the last five minutes of the episode were more interesting to me than the 
rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked it, and I really like the music in this show. <laughs> There's some great music. Great music. And the fact that, well, I mean, so the fact that Cottonmouth owns a, a club. Yeah. Uh, I'm told this is a thing throughout the series, is that there are musical performances throughout. I and, hope so, because and, they were great. And these are all by and these are all by real musical artists portraying mm-hmm. themselves. Nice. Um, so there is that. I, uh, the next episode, I think, had Faith uh, Faith Evans. I think at some point Method Man is in the show. Oh, really? So nice. there's, there's like all there's all sorts of stuff. But the music, uh, the music is. A to- I mean, not even just the musical performances. Just like the actual soundtrack yes. music is yes. real standout. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I really like Misty Knight. Yeah, she's 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 really interesting as well. I, I yeah, she's a really interesting character, and I'm really excited to see what they do with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked how she was introduced, and you know that mystery, and that we later discovered that she she's actually a detective. That's all all of that I loved. Yes. Um, and I like you know the they do it in a really good way, like the cultural and social issues. Mm-hmm. Um, regarding race, they the way that they are handling it, it's perfect. Yes, um, it's really really good, um, and I think that for me was more interesting than the actual plot of the episode. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you felt the same way, but I there were moments where I was like, wait, who is who is this person now? And you know, who are they talking about? Like they intro- I felt like they introduced a lot of characters all of a sudden. They did introduce a lot of characters quickly. Yeah. I went back and watched the shows. I actually went back and watched both of these a second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to, and I got a, I got a much better handle watching it the second time around. It didn't help that the first time I was also uh, distracted by goings ons around the the living room. So the second time I just <laughs> plopped on earbuds and mm-hmm. watched them on my computer. So uh, I watched them far more intently the second time around, and it was a mm-hmm. lot it was a lot easier to swallow. But you're right in the first episode here, they definitely introduced a lot of a characters. Lot. I yeah. found I found it was eased in the second episode. I kind of had a yeah. better idea of who's who and what's what. Mm-hmm. Um, the for me, the standout performer so far uh, has been the actor playing Cottonmouth. Yeah, he's great. He the there's two scenes just in this episode that I thought were great. Well, I mean, one isn't necessarily he's in the scene, but it's really more of a uh, it was really more of a technical uh, geek out for me. Uh, that scene where he's talking to after they've got Shamik in his office and he's talking about he's asking him if he likes his the big portrait he has of Biggie Smalls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's talking about how the the thing that draws everyone's eyes to it is the crown. Mm-hmm. And as he's walking forward, he's talking to him and then he stops and then he is framed perfectly so all you can see is Cottonmouth's face yes. and the crown on his head and it looks like yeah. he's the king. That was Yeah, I thought that an, scene, yeah, that scene was a piece of art. That was such an awesome shot i was like this is awesome whoever thought to do this you're brilliant i thought it was great um and i just uh i i'm i'm big into sometimes i'm really big into bad guy intricacies and when he was beating shamik to death Mm -hmm. he's punching him in blood is spraying and there's a moment where he takes time to wipe the blood from his face to go back to he's like hold on i can't see 
there yeah. we go. Punch, 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 punch. He was <laughs> brutal, and he did it so well that I was like, oh, my God, it's, this is like another Fisk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because Fisk is also that way, you know. He's re- really brutal mm-hmm. in the way that he kills uh, people, and yeah. it reminded he reminded me of Fisk yeah. a lot. And obviously yeah. he hates his his nickname, which is yeah. probably something that was given to him against his I will. I really want to know where, where this nick- nickname came from. I really <laughs> need to know this. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that that was great. Um, I was... I mean, I, I liked just the, the little bits of... So far, every show has felt... Daredevil felt different from any of the other MCU movies or TV shows we've seen. And then Jessica Jones felt different from Daredevil. And this feels different from everything else entirely. This almost, if it wasn't for the scene where he goes and beats those dudes up, mm-hmm. like what he puts, a, he cups his hand over a dude's pistol and the dude shoots him and he goes, ow, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's done. Uh, no, but but if, that shot where he got punched in the face and they oh. shoot he showed how the whole hand broke. That was amazing. You've got and you've got to watch it a second time if you haven't, or if you, oh or, or just rewind it because the handbrake is amazing. But then what really got me the second time watching it? I looked at his face mm-hmm. as it was being punched, and he looked so bored. Really? That, yeah, he just that, had this. He had just, again because he was just looking at the hand. He just had this look <laughs> on his face, like get it over with. And now your hand is broken. Like, it was awesome. He just had no expression on his face. It was so good. Uh, And it's beautiful, obviously, because his his skin is impenetrable. So when you punch him, he doesn't even flinch. Mm -hmm. His his head may may as well have been a brick wall. Uh, It was awesome. Uh, But, I mean, up until that moment, you could have confused this for being anything other than a superhero show. Uh, Despite the fact that there were a couple of really big... Uh, you know, Marvel like plop it right in front of your face. One of them being the Hammer Tech reference, mm-hmm. uh, and Justin Hammer, and the other one uh, was awesome. It was that kid on the street selling yeah. bootleg Blu-rays <laughs> of the Battle of New York, and he's like yeah. Tony Stark and the blonde guy with the hammer, yeah, and the big yeah. green. He said, "Then the big green monster," and I'm not talking about Fenway. Like that was <laughs> he's yeah. trying to sell Blu-rays of of bootleg footage, and I'm like, that's. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but that would be something that would happen. There would be yeah, people totally. that would gather the phone clips and everything. Yeah. And uh, I, I just, but I mean, outside of those things, there were there were just moments of just, it just felt, it just reeked of realism when they're just, mm-hmm. at the beginning, they're just in the barbershop and it's just a bunch of guys talking about basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, about how, uh, you know, about how this guy's overrated or. That guy's amazing, or you know, and, and like the whole time in the background, there's people playing uh, NBA 2K16 on their PlayStation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At first, I thought it was like they were watching a basketball game, but then I'm like, wait a minute, no, that's that's yeah, 2K. They're... There's people with PlayStation controllers back there playing video mm-hmm. games. Uh, just you know, all some of that stuff just sort of brought it all together and made it feel like a real place, mm-hmm. which is not always easy to do. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. This introduced a ton of characters. I mean, Luke Cage, uh-huh. we already know. But mm-hmm. this introduced Pop. It introduced Cottonmouth. It introduced Shades. It introduced Mariah. It introduced Misty Knight. Yeah. It introduced Shamik and Chico. Um, although, granted, only one of them survived this episode. But uh, this 
this, uh, you know, it showed us a lot of people yeah. in one episode and trying to get everything grounded and straight after one episode was a little tough. But mm-hmm. uh, with the hindsight of having watched it twice, I was pretty happy with how it turned out. So yeah. pretty good. Uh, let's throw a geeky glasses at it and move on. All right. Well, I you might be disappointed with my score, but okay. um, I feel I liked it, but I felt like um, Daredevil and Jessica Jones had a better better hook mm-hmm. in their first episodes. Like, yes. and I didn't feel that in this one. I really liked the last five minutes, and that's what I was like. Okay, I need to see more of this show. But during the whole episode, I was like, I mean, it's okay, but I'm not. I wanted more of that superhero. Um, I don't know component. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna give it a three. Okay, I gave it three and a half, so slightly better than you. Okay. Um, I, much like you, I think my my biggest holdback was there wasn't like the huge big moment, but we're still. You know, I was trying to take into account we're still dealing with a guy who doesn't want to be a superhero. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And but and he wasn't given that superhero moment in this episode. I feel like he was given it in the next episode, but. In the yeah. first episode, he didn't really he didn't really have that that moment. And like we said, I feel like they introduced a lot of characters so a much lot, so that yeah. I had to go back and watch it a second time mm-hmm. to kind of uh, get everything in line. But it's it was I think it was a good start. Yeah. But I feel like it maybe could have been a little tighter. But I liked mm-hmm. I liked it. It was a good start. So yeah. uh, I feel like it it did better in the second episode, which is yes. called. Code of the Streets. Uh, so we start the episode with Luke looking, uh, looking off at the. I, I don't. I wonder if it's the, the like Harlem City Hall or something. It's got like the. It's got yeah, like I wasn't the, sure. It's got like the new Harlem Renaissance banner on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, he's uh, a young man pulls a pulls a gun out and holds it to his head. Mm-hmm. And asks him what he's doing there, and he pulls the he pulls down his hoodie and takes off his earbuds, and uh, they have like a, a small conversation. But it's kind of revealed that this is a, uh, we I guess the episode is then a flashback because what ha- what we see at the beginning is is what actually happens at the end of the episode. Right. So, right. Um, it's kind of a uh, the rest of the episode is sort of a flashback from that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, <laughs> we have, uh, I'm trying to remember if this happened right away or not, but I remember Cottonmouth went to, uh, went to Pops for a shave. Yeah. Because they're looking for Chico, because he has mm-hmm. the other half of the money. Right. And um, Pops, uh, they, you know, they do the shave. They don't give up the location of Chico. They actually don't know where Chico is. Right. At the moment, uh, but they're obviously going to go looking for him. Luke decides he's going to go find him, and he does rather easily. But Chico doesn't want to go with him, and uh, although I, I guess he decides better of it later, he shows up on his own mm-hmm. um, to the barber shop. And uh, when this when this happens, uh, Misty and her partner show up, and Pop lies to them about Chico's whereabouts. And uh, basically, they have uh, Pop and, and Luke have this conversation about how he wants Luke to go to Cottonmouth 
to have a parlay, which yeah. I thought only pirates said that, but apparently not. <laughs> Me too, actually. <laughs> parlay. Um, I guess not. Uh, he wants to go do this on Chico's behalf so they can meet there because, as Pop has said a bunch of times, his barbershop is like Sweden. It's uh, it's neutral ground in mm. all of these in all of these wars. People leave the the battling and the hatred behind when they come into to Pop's barbershop. Uh, so Luke does. He goes and uh, approaches uh, Cottonmouth with this, and uh, he at first does not seem interested. Uh, but Luke hands him a picture and, and says, Pop just wants you to remember your history. And I believe there's a moment where Pop is talking with Luke and they do a flashback to when Pop was a gangster. Right. And yep. I believe a young Cottonmouth was hanging out with him. Along I think with, so, yeah. Along with Chico's father. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were kind of a group together. I guess Pop being the elderly one. Because uh, Pop now seems a, a lot older than Cottonmouth. So I'm guessing yeah. at the time Cottonmouth was a lot younger. Uh, and this changes his mind. He says he will do the parlay. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, one of his men is tipped off to Chico's location by a dude hanging out at the barbershop, Turk Barrett. And if that name sounds familiar, <laughs> yes, it is this that. guy's in everything, man. It is that Turk hanging out uh, from Daredevil. Mm-hmm. He's, he's hanging out here in Harlem as well, getting into mischief. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, this guy, I can't remember his name, I think it's Tone, and he and, Sh- yeah. Yeah, he and Shades decide they're going to go, because Turk says, I, I saw Chico, he's at Pop's Barbershop, right. and Tone decides he's going to be a good little underling, and he goes to the barbershop, and it says here, performs a drive-by shooting, but that's not accurate. That's underestimating it. <laughs> he, gets out, he gets out of the car, and he walks down the steps in front of Pop's Barbershop, Mm-hmm. And is double-barreling two SMGs and blows the windows out. He's shooting everything and everybody. Uh, Luke shields himself over top of a young boy who is getting his hair cut. Mm -hmm. Chico is hit many times. Pop is hit in the neck. And Luke and the little boy play dead while Tone and uh, Shades go in there and grab the, the backpack full of the rest of... Uh, Cottonmouth's money mm-hmm. and they leave and at that point Luke obviously is not hurt by any of this and he goes and lifts the critically wounded Pop into his hands who this whole time between this episode and now he's been trying to convince Luke to use his powers for yeah. good go do something with it help people like those other mm-hmm. guys downtown he says and he has been telling, and his motto has always been, because it's been his personal motto, has been to always look forward, which right. is just a way of saying you can't change the past. Mm-hmm. So just go forward. And Luke has been living in the past. He's been yep. still devastated over his wife. And uh, although he hasn't mentioned anything about Jessica Jones, you can tell that that sort of thing would be still weighing on his mind as well. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff that's happened that's led him here to this point. And uh, that's what uh, that's what Pop tells him with his dying breath is to to promise him and to to keep looking forward. And then Pop dies in his arms, and that is when Luke kind of has what I feel like is his born into superherodom. 
Yeah. He's yeah. got that moment where something bad enough finally happened, and you can see it in his face. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. once he was done in that short outburst of, of grieving, he looked up and he had that face. Like, yeah. I'm going to do something. It happened with Jessica Jones as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not Pop dying, because... They managed to make him an incredibly lovable character within yeah, one yeah. and a half episodes. Uh, uh, so he dies. Misty becomes, uh, and Misty obviously becomes really, really suspicious when she notices all the <laughs> bullet holes in Luke's clothing yeah. without any wounds of any kind. And Luke is very tight-lipped about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tone and Shades bring the money back to... Cottonmouth, who is hanging out on a rooftop with his cousin, Mariah Dillard, and uh, he's a little upset over this uh, drive-by shooting, as they say here on the Wikipedia page. He's slightly upset about it uh, at first, but figures, you know what, maybe you had to do it. At least this Chico guy is dead, and we got our money back, and he's like, I'll give Pops some of the money. That's another thing they mentioned about this, is that, or it wasn't mentioned, but it was implied implicitly that basically everybody knew pop and everybody right. liked pop everybody yes. even cottonmouth liked mm-hmm. this guy a lot um and uh that's when tone's like eh, and shades and shades says yeah pop's dead and cottonmouth is not very happy about this at all he is about to go rage mode when turk shows up <laughs> and he's like hey Where's my money for ratting out Chico? <laughs> it was an awesome moment because Cottonmouth's like, who, who are you? Yeah, yeah. How did you get up here? And he's like, I'm Turk Barrett. There isn't a door that's been invented yet that I can't get through or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, where's my money? And he's like, okay, so Tone promised you to pay you for finding Chico. And he's like, yeah, that's right. And he's like, okay. Cottonmouth grabs Tone and hurls him off the roof. Yeah. Onto a car. He's dead. And he's like, okay, Mr. Barrett, you can go retrieve him, retrieve your money from Tone, uh, like on the bottom floor or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I believe our business is finished here. Uh, and then Turk was like, you guys are crazy. I'm going to go back to Hell's Kitchen where it's safe. Yeah, best line in the episode. <laughs> it, was, oh, it was so funny. <laughs> he's awesome. Uh, and uh, then we meet with uh, Luke Cage. Uh, we meet him back with this uh, wayward youth who is going to shoot him or hold him up or something. And uh, Luke scares him off, basically. he uh, He's begging him to shoot him. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Just test me, and the kid's not going to do it. And he's like, here, I'll do it for you. And he grabs the gun and shoots himself in the abdomen. Of course, nothing happened, and the kid mm-hmm. freaked out and ran away. Yeah. Uh, so what did you think of Code O the Streets? Um, I really like this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The last scene when we come back um with him with this uh young man um and he's talking to him about you know or you know you know predecessors did everything so that we could you know be here and you know you're just going against what everything they fought for and you know he he delivers this amazing amazing monologue and it was so well acted that was my favorite scene in the whole episode i loved it yeah uh, it was really powerful. Yeah, there was. Um, this felt like they've they set their feet a lot better in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. There was a great scene where 
uh, Misty Knight is trying to get some information out of some oh my boys God, playing the basketball. basketball scene. And uh, they're like, you know, do you know anything about this Chico kid? And they're like, no, we don't know what you're talking about. And she points to the floor, and there's initials, like, kind of painted all over the floor. Yeah. And she's like, those are his initials. Like, they only do that for, like, Hall of Famers at the school. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's him. You know who he is. No, and no, that's not, that's not, that's not what happened. Well, I mean, they, she's, she points out to them, like, you know, because they're trying to say that they don't, they're trying to deny it, that they don't know who this Chico but the, guy is. But the, the letters that she pointed out in the floor are her initials. Oh, no, she does that. She, first okay. she points out Chico's uh, oh, okay, initials. Oh, okay, okay, And that, the, and that's like the big setup, because she's like, mm-hmm. I'll, she's like, I'll play you. Like, yeah, one yeah, on yeah, one, yeah, that's true, that's true. They play a game of horse. And she nails the first shot after he makes his first mm-hmm. shot. She nails her first shot. And she's like, see those initials? Those are mine. She's yeah, like, this yeah, is yeah. my court, too. Yes. That was awesome. So clearly was she she defeated this boy at basketball and got some information. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she's uh, she's awesome. Uh, the, a, lot of, a lot of the characters. I, I was actually, I wasn't sad that that pop died and like it affected me in a sad way. I was sad because I was really starting to like the character and I didn't want to see the yeah. character go. It's like, I'd really like to see this character hang around a little bit more. I really yeah. liked the character, but I know, you know, he had to be the uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He had to be the, you know, with great power comes great re- responsibility and send Luke Cage on his superheroing ways. Yeah. That was yeah. his, that was his duty was to go out like that. But, um, they did a great job. He was a he was a great character, but I'm yeah. uh, they they did a lot this episode with um, imagery, specifically oh, yeah. with Luke putting on the hoodie mm-hmm. uh, a couple of times. Uh, I mean, and look, this will probably get mentioned a few times uh, during during the course of this. But I mean, the during the making of this show, uh, this is when all of the the craziness, all of the turmoil with Trayvon Martin and some of of the some of the police overreaction overreaction is not even a good term Uh, like police violence uh, stuff like that and you now have uh, it's just it's amazing timing it's good so good and you you have and you have an African American superhero who is impenetrable to bullets yes which is ridiculously great timing right yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he throws on he throws on a hoodie. Like the only thing missing was like him walking around with like Skittles and iced tea right, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't go that on the nose. I suppose that would have yeah, been too much. Yeah, and that's why much. you know I like I said you know for the for the last episode, the first episode, um, they do it in a very good way that they're being subtle enough. Yes. That it's not like in your face, but you see it. Yeah. Um, so they they found the perfect balance to show that. I'm curious. As, I'm curious as to what they're going to do. Yeah. Because eventually these guys are going to have to fight Cottonmouth and Luke Cage. Oh yeah. And right now Cottonmouth doesn't stand any chances. Against no, Luke I mean Cage, I I, like I was while I was watching these episodes, I, I'm not that familiar with Luke Cage and the in the comics. Right. Um. So I, I was you know wondering how can you defeat defeat him? Right. Because he's unbreakable. He's I don't know. <laughs> Drowning him? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I... <laughs> I'm not sure what he's going to do. Clearly, there must be something. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing this. Something must happen. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm sure, that, I'm sure this will occur. But, uh, yeah, 
I'm, I'm curious to see what they do. Uh, another thing that really stood out to me in these in these two episodes, because uh, this happened, I think, in both, is there is use there is liberal use of the N word. Yeah. But there are also characters in the show who are like, I hate that word. Don't yes. call me that word. Don't yeah. say that word. You know, I hate it when you say that word. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I like that there's the mixture, right? Yeah. That it's not just... Because, um, I mean, that that's a reflection. There's plenty of people that are like, no, don't ever use that word. I don't care what context you're using it in. I don't care if you are black. I don't care. You know, don't say it. I don't want to hear it. Or don't refer to me like that. Uh, in this case, it was... Uh, uh, in this episode, I think it was, wasn't it Luke that it happened to him? I think so, yeah. Um, in front of the, uh, oh God, it's driving me nuts now, the the Atticus. I can't remember Atticus's last name now. Oh, and I'm so good with history. Uh, oh, I, yeah, it's, I don't remember. It's driving me nuts. Like, I'm think, I'm like Atticus Finch, but that's not it. Like, I'm pretty sure Atticus Finch was a white guy and a... And a fake character. I think Atticus Finch was in To Kill a Mockingbird. So uh, <laughs> that's not that's not who they put a put a mural up for. Uh, yeah, and I can't remember his name to save my life now. It's uh, driving me crazy. But uh, it's going to drive me crazy now the whole rest of the night. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I will correct myself on next week's episode. Uh, <laughs> once, I, once I go get it. I'll go back and watch the episode. Uh but uh, you know, he's like, "How can you even call me that?" Like while yeah. we're like in front of this the statue to like one mm-hmm. of our greatest heroes. Yeah. Uh, I just uh, I I, I kind of like everything they're doing in this show so far. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to get super duper attached to this. I mean, I wasn't sure if I was going to get super duper attached to Jessica Jones either. But mm-hmm. the people doing these shows are oh, so good gosh. and so, so good. talented. Yeah, uh, and they make you care about the characters and everything they do. The music again, the music is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this hasn't been a show based. This hasn't been a show like uh, this has been more like Jessica Jones in that th- it, there's a lot more character and a lot less punching and throwing and flying. Yeah, yeah. Unl- unlike Daredevil, where there's a ton of fighting. Right. But these are more. These are more a little more character based. Although I feel like. Uh, Maybe they're kind of going in cycles. I feel like uh, Iron Fist is going to be like very punchy, uh, yeah. Just yeah. with the name of the, <laughs> the show, it makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I feel like they're kind of doing. I I don't know. I think this is good. I think that they're kind of taking this approach of we don't want to give you too much of too one much. thing. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, if every show is just if every single show and every single series we do is just amazing fights. People are going to get burned out on yeah, it, and they're yeah. taking the time to develop the characters and right. tell a really uh, detailed story. And uh, I, I really like it. Yeah. Great episode. Great episode. Okay, what would you give this one? I'm going to give it a four. Okay. That's what I gave uh, it to. Yeah. Um, I, I, it was really, really good, but I, I'm, I'm, you know, hoarding my fives for later. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think they're going to... I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna hit at least a five, yeah. at least once or twice. Uh, they're just the. It's a really great cast. Yeah, that guy got a mouth. His voice is amazing. Just, <sighs> just right? his voice. I mean, it's so not. Great. It's not Benedict Cumberbatch, but boy, does it's, he. Yeah. <laughs> he's got. He's got a, like a really captivating. Really. Sound yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, it's like I could just listen to him say anything. Yeah. Every time he's talking, I'm just captivated. And, yeah, yeah. you know, I just want to hear more of him talking, even even though the things that he's saying are awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a problem yeah. with uh, captivating villains, usually. Yes. Yes. Is like, boy, I, I can't take my eyes off this guy. Yeah. No wonder but, why cults start, Aurora. I mean, it's, I'm guessing that's like really <laughs> charismatic leaders are the reasons they are cults and dictatorships. Yeah. yeah. But Luke Cage has a really good voice, too. Agreed. He yes. is a he is a mountain of dude. Oh my gosh! Yes, he is <laughs> he is so gigantic, but yeah, he's amazing. I, want... I don't think they could have cast anybody better than him. He's like the perfect Luke Cage. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a happy relationship with two beautiful daughters, but I would not mind being married to this guy. <laughs> he, I like, I would Me feel either. I would totally feel safe and protected with this dude. Oh but my he god! Also, yeah, he also seems like the nicest guy in yes. the world. Yes, humble and so respectful and <sighs> gentleman. Yeah. Yes. The kind of guy you could take home to mom for sure. Yes, yes. Uh, all right, that's the episode <laughs> for this week. Uh, Aurora and I will come back and swoon more over Mike Coulter and his uh, <laughs> amazingly rock hard skin. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, in season one, episode three, called Who's Gonna Take the Weight? And season one, episode four, called Step in the Arena. Yeah.